0: Well, PK, when the folks get back to Lavelle Edwards Stadium, it's going to look different. BYU announcing new video boards. Gone are those tiny 34 by 50 boards, PK. Now, when you turn your neck to see a replay of a touchdown, 48 by 131. Gigantic! Gigantic!
1: Well, size matters is an overused cliche, but I think in these situations, they become extremely noticeable, at least for me, maybe not for others who don't travel as much. I've been to all the stadiums in the Pac-12, and obviously many stadiums around the country, uh, professional and college, certainly more college, way more college than pros.
0: Yeah, but you've been to a fair number of baseball stadiums for sure, maybe fewer on the NFL, but you've been to a few NBA, a few NFL, and a lot of baseball stadiums.
1: Right, the difference being that uh, NFL stadiums are usually bigger than baseball stadiums, mm-hmm. and the uh, necessity that you need as far as having the big scoreboard, replays, and all that stuff, I, I think it's right there it, with the viewer experience because you know it's hard to see baseball. The field stays the same; the ball is always there. You know, it goes left field, center field, or right field, but you're wherever you are, it in your seat, your view of that never changes. In
0: If you're in football, one end zone in football yeah. and the ball goes yeah. the other end of the field, you're like, I don't know what happened down there. Especially right. if you're sitting low. If you're sitting low, then it really uh, gets hard to e- know what's going e- on.
1: Either way, I can recall an instance uh, back in the 80s and the, the Devils were in uh, the uh, position to go to the Rose Bowl. And if I remember correctly, they needed to beat Washington and everybody came to the game. It was such a, that was back when it was so seventy some thousand. Every seat sold out, right? And people had roses there and all this stuff. And they were going to win. They were going to go to the Rose Bowl. And I'm sitting in the upper level end zone. I mean, up at the top. I could wave to the pilots because Sky Harbor is on the way. Mm-hmm. For any of you who've been, I've there. seen I mean, it. I've looked yeah, out so and
0: I've, seen Sun Devil out the yeah. window.
1: Yeah, so I was way the freak up there, and going to, and I was in the north end zone, and the play, the team, uh, Washington, had the ball, and they were going north to south, and they were inside Sun Devil territory. Well, they made a play, a catch, that beat the Devils, and they didn't go to the Rose Bowl, and it was massively disappointing, right? And, And I didn't realize how great the catch was until the next day, when I saw it on, like, the, they're replaying some highlights at the 5 o'clock Sunday news. The guy laid out and had his right hand extended parallel to the ground, and he makes a one-handed catch. And that's essentially how the Devils got beat, and they didn't win the game, go to the Rose Bowl. I forget who went there. I don't know it was like eighty. Two eighty three, eighty four, five, somewhere in there.
0: UCLA,
1: and it might may have been. I don't. I have. Been, yeah. I have no memory, but I remember distinctly that I had no idea the quality of that catch. Now it wouldn't have made me feel any better if they would have had the video scoreboard. <laughs> but if no, it would have no, been the Sun Devils, yeah. I would have uh, would have felt better. But you want to know, and you in football there there could be. That's a, that's a good long distance from where I was to where the play was. And so if you have those, it enhances the in-house experience. And with HD and all this stuff now, you need to have this stuff. And I've been, and all these stadiums have them, uh, the Pac-12, the the Coliseum, which is obviously the oldest stadium that anybody's going to play in. They've got it, and everybody has it, and it's a necessity for the fan experience.
0: And the release says, because says, I know some of you are listening to this discussion going, I thought they were $20 million in the hole. Well, first off, they raised a lot of that money. I don't know the exact number they may have raised. Did they get all of it, Yacht?
2: No, just north of like fifteen. dollars so like Okay, 75%. but still, that's, that's still a lot of it, yeah.
0: yeah. Uh, but NuSkin's paying for this whole thing. So I assume there'll be new skin ads prominently. They're doing new ribbon boards. I'm sure new skin's name will they're, be.
1: They're funding all
0: out. of it. now. Yeah. Yeah. skin's
1: one hundred percent. Not one penny is going to be used because BYU is financially prudent and self sustaining. Thank you. And people. they're prepared. Not only this, but they have a three year preparedness scoreboards in case something happens a force du jour to these scoreboards. They got three others that they can put in. Oh, that's how cool. prepared they are. They have a 72-hour scoreboard kit, my friends.
2: 72-hour <laughs> scoreboard. Um, one thing I can add to this is, for comparison's sake, many of you probably have been up to Rice Eccles Stadium or out to Rio Tinto Stadium. BYU's video boards will be slightly smaller than those, but they're in the same realm in terms because of Because
1: that's BYU. They're not gaudy. No, <laughs> they kinda, don't do that. It's kind of like
0: salaries. They're not going to lead the charge. They'll kind of catch up. They'll be eighty percent of the way, ninety percent of the way there. Sure, but they're not because all $1. of us have
1: been the Lavelle Edwards Stadium, and we receive extra special blessings inside that stadium oh, that do? make up for any financial score uh, a shortcoming, and also make up for any length of. Scoreboard video replay shortening is
2: that because of the lack of swearing that the, that you hear in that stadium?
1: That <laughs> now I've gently. been to Lavelle Edwards Stadium and I haven't heard one damn swear word. Oh, but yeah. when I go to Rice Eccles, <laughs> oh my bleeping gosh!
0: Oh yeah, you're right. I'm just
1: I, I need to. Who was that guy? That.
0: Jeff Benedict.
1: There Jeff there Benedict. <laughs> Sorry, I just had to. Stick so both that those one in
0: scoreboards there. right now are 34 by 50. One will be a little bigger, 36 by 72, and one will be gargantuanly bigger 48 by 131 so that's a 40 yard scoreboard 40 yards wide that's almost as wide as the field
1: now you take gargantuan and you just made it an adverb yeah
0: gargantuanly
1: very rare is gargantuan more than what it is a noun and you just made it an adverb
0: good for you thank you thank you very much All right. Well, it's what you said, though. You got to keep up with the in-home experience. You know, back in the day, the games weren't on TV, and they had sixty-five thousand, and it was packed. And the population of Utah County has tripled, and now they're not averaging sixty. Well, they you can't because they've downsized the stadium a couple thousand seats. But uh, like sixty-two. Yeah. To your point, attendance is trending in the wrong direction, and they got much better home schedules now. But you're still competing with HD, no traffic, no parking. They uh, the the food and drinks are cheaper at home, and why should I go down? You know they got to do what they can to close the gap. So you got to do this kind of stuff, uh, and if, New Skins yeah. underwriting it, and so for the people who have season tickets. Uh, they'll get all the replays of all the touchdowns, all the toe-tapping catches that you can't see. And even for
1: those who buy single-game tickets, they'll get them too.
0: I suppose, but we really don't want those people looking at the video board until they bought the season tickets. I think I speak for Tom Homo and Chad Lewis and probably even Robbie Bosco.
1: A uh, Bosco... Maybe not. Yeah. I'm right. I, mean, I know. What, I knew. I hedged when I said it. Maybe not. What's the meter was, of the greens? So I was going to say, yeah.
2: Lee Johnson does not want to be involved in this
0: conversation. <laughs> I don't speak for Lee. I never know what he's going to say next. He's wildly entertaining. I don't you even right? know what he's going to open with. Hey, bro. But after that, I have no idea where it's going.
1: And you know, I think that you talk about the uh, in-home experience too—the food and drinks being cheaper—and mm-hmm. I also think we need to factor in it's much easier to walk outside in full BYU regalia and get a smoke.
0: That's Vegas Bowl only. Can you do it with that? Like doesn't really friends, that doesn't really have closest. That doesn't anything to do with Provo. That's Vegas Bowl only.
1: You can't smoke in Provo. Have they outlawed smoking in Provo?
0: They've outlawed many things in Provo, PK. They have? Yeah, and you and I'll probably be next. Not Yacht. I'm though. outlawed and I'm Yuck outlawed. Yacht is legal. He's the enemy, but he's legal. Just had to go there, didn't you?
1: Provo is an interesting place. It really reminds me of walking down a street in Birmingham in the fifties.
0: Now you're in San Diego. <laughs> what are you, time traveling? <laughs> Provo, Vegas, San Diego, too. Yeah. Well, hey, let's go to Wyoming and throw stuff at the Cougars. Just mentally, not physically. Me. Let's go. Because they don't approve. Yeah, Larry. Oh, no, they throw things physically. <laughs> I know there. they do. I've heard. I've heard. They have I'm players with great shocking. stories about stuff cascading as they walk out the tunnel. The w- oh, I've the, seen it. The words just cascading down. Like, hey! I just got here already.
2: A certain phrase that is being chanted by the crowd. Yeah, I don't know. How is the pit, PK?
0: I haven't. I haven't. There got to be stories from the pit and the sewer rat.
1: Oh yeah, hit all the highlights of the old days. I mean, like seventy-five-year-old ladies just f-bombing the Cougars (laughs) as they come down that (laughs) ramp. Oh my goodness gracious! Yeah. Oh, man. That's where I'd
0: handle things differently. You know, I just think if that had been, you know, 20 year old me, assuming I'd been good enough to be a D1 athlete, which I wasn't even remotely close to being. But I mean, I think then it would have been, oh, you know, they're yelling, you know. But if you could be like have the maturity of, you know, like 40 or 50 year old you, you know, you'd be, you'd just be laughing like, come on, grandma. It would have no impact. It would be hilarious.
1: It was the only place where I openly rooted for the team I was covering. And I felt no uh, journalistic ethic violations because the pit was just so freaking nasty. And I've said this, you know, as far as the basketball in the West Coast Conference, that these guys, they've missed out on that. And when you think about it, Nick Emery had that one thing where he told the, uh, the fan, was it a fan? Was it a Gonzaga fan? Gonzaga fan, yeah. Uh, yeah. And it was in Vegas because that's like the only the, the, the only place you could get jeered if you were BYU. because that would it, beat your ass. Sit down. Oh. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, there was yeah. one other one.
1: Well, you get... <laughs> yeah, but that was like... That,
2: <laughs> that was see, the, It was at the University of Portland. I thought like, was He in was, Portland. At, they're they're like, like, it was
1: having a conversation <laughs> with the guys. It's, it's
2: true, though. There's like 10 people there on that baseline.
1: And he's like, you... Shut the f up! <laughs> he looked right. Yeah, normally it wasn't just like some noise or some group and all that stuff. This is from a TV it,
2: broadcast.
1: Yeah, they yeah they they could pick it up. It, it's like a the way they had stuff going on with the pandemic is you could hear things that you normally couldn't hear because of no crowds, mm-hmm. right? And that's what you get in a West Coast Conference road games. Now you do get a little bit of an environment in St. Mary's and also uh, at Spokane, but there are small numbers. Uh, I think the, the the Spokane place, the McCarthy Center, like Is that six, like 5,000? It's
2: north of 6,000.
1: Yeah. Is it now? I mean, it, it, so it's, a, these, it's certainly a great atmosphere, but the sheer numbers of yep. 16, 17, 18,000 in the pit and when they would go into Wyoming and Vegas and obviously at the Huntsman Center, San Diego had built a great crowd by the time the Cougars got out of there. And they they put their bench, BYU's bench was right next to the San Diego State student section, which was under the basket, and that's where we sat as a media. And that was a phenomenal environment. Well, I'm talking speaking of the new arena, of course. At the time it was new, it's been around for a good long while. And to tell you what they thought of BYU, San Diego State opens their brand new arena. It's their first friggin' real game. And they bring in BYU. Now, that was back in the whack quadrant nonsense, and BYU wasn't in San Diego's quadrant, so they were a conference member, but it wasn't a conference game, and they want to make sure they have a good crowd. What do they do? They invite BYU. Now, all you BYU fans who constantly argue with Utah as far as your national fan base and following, that's your trump card right there. They invited BYU in. And they—it was a big they had a ceremony. They brought out freaking Joel Kramer was there for that game, DJ. They brought in my Joel guy. Kramer. My <laughs> yes. guy, I love me some. I'm
0: a little kid. Kramer was the man. Yes, he played. Well, for I mean, the I, don't I, Steve I don't want to diss Steve Cop. I don't want to diss Steve Cop because Steve Cop had it going on too. And Will Conley, okay. I did love some Will Conley.
1: Don't don't, don't remember those guys. Did too he, late.
0: I'm done. That's all I got. Are, I only got three. These guys. are names that my grandpa's brought up. So. Yeah, that that's way back. I, well, yeah, yeah I was
1: I was a youngster, a teenager when Kramer played for the Suns and mm-hmm. they only had 12 guys. They didn't have 50 guys like they have now. They had one coach and an assistant. So you got to you. You were aware of everybody here. I'd be hard pressed to name all the jazz guys because they I certainly couldn't name all the coaches now uh, because of all the guys that they have in those days. They didn't have near as many. I and mean, they brought in the Cougars and Tony Gwynn was the uh, television announcer. And we go into the press room, and, I, and he's talking with uh, Hank Wesch, was the San Jose State beat writer uh, for, the, uh, for the paper. And I knew Hank, so I'm talking to him, and Tony was there. And he, Tony starts ch- chiming in. I said, hey, Tony. I, I said, uh, you, you look really familiar. I didn't call him Tony. I said, you look really familiar. And he said, yeah, I'm the new beat writer for the Poway Chieftain. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> and that's why he was everybody's friend in the media. He always had a line.
1: Oh, yeah, the greatest uh, the greatest Padre of them mm-hmm. all. And Mr. Padre, for a very good reason, a guy was an unbelievable athlete. He played basketball at San Diego State. He did. And obviously he was a phenomenal hitter. Yeah, I, I can recall uh, when Tony got into the Hall of Fame. And we're getting off here, but what the heck. And we beat the Suns game to the ground at the, <laughs> this point. <laughs> and, and so they had Cal Ripken. And Tony Gwynn, if I remember correctly, yep. they went into the class of the same year. Obviously, yes. two first-ballot superstars all the way. You can argue it's not as clear and concise that uh, Cal Ripken is Mr. Oriole just because the Orioles have had a longer, more illustrious franchise. And there's no doubt that Tony Gwynn is Mr. Padre. And so they have the press con- I'm watching the press conferences, and they, they have uh, – Cal Ripken, and he's got the Baltimore Orioles media personnel there, and it's formal, and somebody from the media asks a question, and Cal answers it. Then they go later to Tony Gwynn, and it's outside. It's like down the right field line in the stadium, and Tony's standing on the field, and the press is sitting in the bleachers in the seats, right? And Tony's there. Yeah, Bob. Okay, Bill. And he's pointing out. He's no, he knows them all by name. There's no PR guy next to him. He's conducting the deal by himself, and the guys raise their hand like he's the teacher, and he knows all the students' names. And it just struck me. That's the essence of Tony Gwynn. Cal Ripken, who was this megastar for sure, and he's got – and I had no problem with the way Cal Ripken was doing it, but that not, that was not the Tony Gwynn way. He's he's having a conversation with these people, and that's who he was and just a remarkable ball player. But he was there, and BYU, they wanted to have a, a sold-out crowd, so they invited BYU. I don't even remember the result of the game. I don't think – I don't think Sano State had gotten it. I don't think Fisher was there yet, or maybe he was, but I don't think the program had developed – to where it is now and where Steve Fisher, because Steve Fisher's got multiple Sweet 16s, doesn't he? And uh, so they put BYU in because BYU, they attract folks, that's for sure. So I'm glad to see them increase the scoreboard and all that stuff, make it as much... Uh, enjoyable, And I believe, and I could be off base on this, but I believe that they're going to be, if they allow full amount of fans in, let's hope they do. I believe those stands are going to be packed because I think BYU football, in terms of excitement, it's back to where it was under Bronco. And I think they have a chance to make it better than they did under Bronco because Bronco, a great football coach. I respect him as much as I can respect anybody, But he wasn't as lovable and as approachable as Kalani is.
0: And Kalani seems to be recruiting some higher end NFL talent, which is going to catch everyone's imagination. I mean, to be good at football, you better have, you know, 40 really good players every year who can contribute, and you need depth, and you need second stringers, you need special teams, and the other guys better be getting ready to step in behind them and keep it going. But let's face it, a few high-end stars, that's who catches the public's imagination.
1: Well, we need kafuzis. That's who we need.
0: <laughs> well, that's always a good start. <laughs> they, they, here's they the thing with kafuzis. Some, some are better than other, but none <laughs> of them are bust, and none of them wash out. They're all, they all seem to be good. This is like multi-generations going back to the guys who played oh, yeah. for the Utes for McBride. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they don't wash out.
1: Yeah, so if you can have those guys, and they're excited about the talent they've got in the program, I'm excited. I want to see what they can do, man. I think that clearly this schedule that they have, this is the best team to handle this schedule that they've had since going independent. What might have been last year with Zach, but we never, we'll never, never know because it obviously didn't play out that way. But I think that, the, and I don't know how they're going to do, and we'll get to that in the coming months, but I think this is the best equipped to handle this schedule, particularly early. Doesn't mean they're going to beat Utah. I'm not saying that. Uh, we got a long way to go before we're worried about that stuff. But I think that this is the most talent that they've had as an independent prepared to handle uh, what do they've got? Uh, How many games they got against Pac-12? They got five, don't they? Yeah, they have five Pac-12 teams this yeah, year. Yeah, because didn't Yogi Roth come on our station and say, "Yeah, can't the go Pac-12 can't go two and three against this Man. against the Cougars."
0: It's uh, it's what he uh, Arizona, San Diego, or San Diego.
1: Both, both Arizona. Oh, wow, you put in your dreams. In not in wow. San Diego state. We've been talking so, San. We're not. I know you want in, but we're not letting you in. Oh,
0: I, I'm, trust me, I'm aware you're not letting in. Yeah, Arizona. You're, you're, not, <laughs> you're Arizona. You're not letting in a California State school. They can all, you know, good luck San Diego and Fresno, but that ain't happening.
2: Yeah, Arizona. Arizona State, Utah, Washington State, and USC. No Stanford this year.
1: Stanford is
2: next year. I okay.
1: I love that schedule. I love as many Pac-12 teams as you can play. I am one hundred. This is this is the high
0: water mark. They don't have. You, you look at the schedules going forward. They don't have this many uh, teams. I think well, this is their toughest the schedule. Yeah, this is. I think this is their toughest schedule. The ones that have been doped out here, and you know, you get four or five years out, you don't know. But this schedule is obviously tougher than last year. I think it'll be tougher than the following year, twenty twenty two and twenty twenty three. You look at those schedules. That's on paper. You never know for sure. Um, but it looks like on it. paper, this one, this one's tougher. All right, DJ PK, coming up next, uh, we will continue to beat the Suns game. That was just one segment break. We're beating the Suns game into the ground next. But I think that also, for both Jazz and Suns fans, somebody who we know who covers another team, a third team in the West, is talking about a fourth team in the West – And I think they're really smart because they agree with you and I, PK. And people may not want to agree with what you and I say, but here it comes again, and I think it's the truth, and it's going to matter a lot when we get to the NBA playoffs, and we'll get to that next. Stay with
2: us. The Big Show Show. with Jake Scott and Gordon Monson.
0: He covers college sports for the Washington Post. He's Patrick Stevens. Let's tell Aggie fans what kind of head coach they're getting. They're getting a guy that is a really sharp cook. UMBC had had seven consecutive 20 lost seasons and won 41 games in that span. It was really not a good situation to be walking into and immediately wins 21 games, figures out a way to recruit quickly and reload a program that hadn't done much for a decade. And then obviously the next year pulls that memorable upset against Virginia. His teams play really good defense, really elevated that UMBC program. Program during his five years in the Baltimore suburbs. And I think Utah State's getting a really, really good coach.
2: Catch the big show weekdays from 2 to 7. Presented by Big O Tires, the team you trust on 97.5-1280, The Zone, in the Zone Sports Network. Well, I think, you know, you add a you know, Hall of Family like Chris. Uh, to a team with such an elite talent elite score and lead scorer and book and a guy who's I think books taking this game to another level on both ends of the floor they've really bought into the game defensively you know, as a team as a unit uh, they've got great guys to cast around those two and, and they've built that team very well you know a playoff caliber team that, that's going to be very tough to handle so we know it's going to be a physical game and that's a rebo game with chris you know he's such a smart point guard so we'll have to go out there and see what we got
0: There's Mike Conley talking about the Jazz and the Suns. Two best records in the NBA. The Jazz and the Suns play tonight on ESPN at 8 o'clock. Pre-game starts at 7 o'clock here on The Zone with Jake Scott and Tim LaCombe. And PK, we've talked a lot about this game and a lot about the things. One thing that will come up during this broadcast is the NBA Coach of the Year voting. Because for a long time, I think people have assumed you know, Coach of the Year usually goes to the teams that overachieve their expectations, and the Jazz and Suns are the two teams overachieving their expectations. So whether it goes to Monty Williams or it goes to Quinn Snyder, I think they were running 1-2 for a long time. Now Atlanta had the midseason coaching change, and man, they, they've got it going, so maybe Nate McMillan uh, gets some mileage out of that, but I think Monty Williams and Quinn Snyder, uh, those are the guys who've been on the radar all year as the coach of the year.
1: Oh, I think to me it's Monty Williams all the way.
0: They've come further, baby. No yeah. hint of winning. And no. now, big time winning.
1: I said earlier, Devin Booker, this is the first time Great in the stat. NBA. <laughs> and I think it's his fifth season. I have to double-check that. Uh, he is the, this is the first time he's played on a team that's won 35 games.
0: That's demoralizing. This franchise
1: has sucked. I mean, that's what you get when you have top ten picks and you take Alex Lynn uh marquise Chris, uh Dragon bender josh jackson josh jackson was like the fourth pick Yep, he's is he even in the league I and mean, it's
2: he was sent to the g league by memphis yeah. last year i know he's
1: back on their roster this year but i'm not sure how much he's
2: this is year six for devin booker
1: okay sixth year
0: he so came the in first five lose
1: lose lose
0: he's still only 24 so he's figured out how to win. score. He's figuring out how to win, and he's only 24. Uh-oh. They went
1: 8 and 0 in the bubble, and they still didn't win 35. Now, they didn't play as many games last year, so uh, we understand that. So that's a little bit uh, not a fair assessment as far as the Sun's suckitude. But the Sun's suckitude has been high on the list. And if you just, all those top 10 draft choices that I just named. One bust after another. And then PK until last number, year. Until last one year pick.
0: Until last what? year he hadn't won twenty five games.
1: Yeah. That's horrific. And even with the screw that they got now, James Jones, uh former NBA player is their GM, they still sort of blew it two years ago when they took Aiton with the number one pick when Doncic is sitting there.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Aiden will be a nice player, and Don Fitz is a generational talent.
1: Yeah. So if you go – and Aiden's an okay player. He's, he's not a bust. Uh, he just – he drives he, – they go nuts with his level of inconsistency. As I said, I described him as a rich man's Greg Ostertag. Uh, he is inconsistent, but he's consistently better than the outrageous inconsistency that Ostertag seemed to show for many years it drove jazz fans nuts and i'm sure the management now he's better than that but he's not Doncic and they blew it with Doncic so they'll have to live with that and the best way to live with that is to win <laughs> and then it doesn't really matter and i give them credit man they're winning and Monte Williams in my mind is the coach of the year because they had a much higher level to climb and so far they did. If you would have told me the Suns with 20 some games, 22 games to go would be in second place even even with the substantial injuries to the Lakers. Even with that, I would have said no way.
0: Agreed. I would not have I would not have come close to predicting that. Whereas it. if
1: you would have told me the amount of injuries that the Lakers would have particularly those two guys that are having them, I would think the Jazz had a shot at the number one seed because I felt the Jazz ceiling, without predicting injury, I thought the two seed was certainly within the realm.
0: I thought there was no way the Suns would get top four. There's just no chance that was going to happen. And now it seems clear that it is going to happen. But with the Lakers and the Clippers and the Nuggets and the Jazz, uh, the Blazers and the Mavs even, no way were they climbing past three of those six teams to get into the top four.
1: Yeah, and this is, you know, I haven't really talked about it because I'm a humble guy. I don't talk about myself. But this is really a civil war going on within my brain, you know, then my current sold. team, my 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 former team. How do I handle it? I asked my wife. I said, what are we going to do? Pizza. This is going to be a tough time for us. Pizza. Answer everything. She's a, is, is food. She, not at eight o'clock at night. I'm not going to have friggin pizza.
0: Eh, college dorms <laughs> flashback.
1: Yeah, and I don't have the college uh, yeah. what well, metabolism either.
0: Details. A one a.m. pizza. It's a Cheat day. I didn't say one a.m.
1: pizza. I know, but you you I'm talking about between eight college. And nine. college oh, college, yeah, college. No, I'm saying yeah. the college metabolism. Yeah. Uh, we used to go to Daily Breeze. We'd go to the bounty room on Fridays, which was right down the street. Because Fridays, we put out three newspapers. It was always hectic, particularly during high school football season. And so the guys would wind down. They'd go to this bounty room, and uh, and the place would close at one o'clock, and you know just hang out. And the local pizzeria, they'd come by with all these pizzas that they hadn't sold. And they'd sit in the parking lot, and as guys came out of the bounty room, they would offer these pizzas for like five bucks.
0: Convenience. You can't beat it.
1: Tot ready. Let's get it, guys. Yeah. So they would literally be, they'd have like maybe, I don't know, five to ten pizza boxes, and they would try to sell them to guys coming out. Now, even then, I was not college age, obviously. I had uh, gone on, was, uh, you know, seven, eight years removed from college. I knew, yeah, 1 o'clock, pizza, nah, Nah. I'm going to pay for this. (laughs) Yeah, right. (laughs) (laughs) I don't want to get my weekend off to a horrendous start, even though I worked Saturday, Sunday in those days. But still, I knew not to do that. But, you know, my wife is an Arizona native. So this is – I think we might have to have one of those deals. I might have uh, uh, a son's sweatpants and a jazz sweatshirt on.
0: I'm a freshman in the dorms. It's got to be the first or second week. And uh, it's like you say, you know, everyone's just done doing whatever homework. I mean, who wants to do homework the first week or two? There's plenty of time to catch up. You don't That's need, need to do the reading. The week or two, for that matter. Well, maybe. Um, <laughs> we were on quarters. So we 10 You were looking at finals. So, yeah, everybody's panicking then because of what, you know, how they handled the first couple weeks. But it was it was way early. And this guy, I mean, you, you move in from out of town. You don't know anything from anywhere. You don't even know where the pizza place is. This guy orders a pizza at midnight. He's a sophomore. He's got... Freshman on the dorm, and he sells a pizza, a slice for you. Smell it. You walk down the hallway, right? And he's like, "Oh yeah, hey Grant, hey a buck a piece." I mean, I can't afford to feed the whole dorm, so he sells it. and I find out it's like a seven dollar pizza or something, or five dollar pizza, <laughs> and he's selling a buck a slice. I'm like, somebody just made three bucks off of that. Nice. Way to be the middleman.
1: See, and I'm surprised you would say that because me, being the staunch Republican that I am. I'm all for capitalism. And you guys aren't so much, but I am glad you appreciate it.
0: Oh, you know me. I appreciate capitalism all the way through. So I'm all about the money. You've called me out on that a hundred million times.
1: Make it a hundred million I know, and one. So I mean that's your conflict within your party there.
0: Yeah. Well, I just believe <laughs> I just believe that people like your dad deserve a raise more than once every fourteen years.
1: Hey oh every fourteen years.
0: Yeah, since they raised the minimum wage fourteen years.
1: All oh, right. is that where you came up with that? Yeah. Wow, look at you. You're way more political than I am. I had no idea. Yeah. And, and they want to... Seriously, the I age? just read
0: middle it. I, I won't remember that in two weeks. I is it being just raised? It. Uh, you know, honestly, I don't know the answer to that. Yeah, because it being raised... And we ranked. went
1: 14 years without doing it? Yeah. They're How? working on that, but I'm not... And sure.
0: 15 isn't flying, so then it was, were they going to compromise to 11 or not? And I lost track.
1: Yeah, somebody I, out there is paying attention. It's You can't fourteen. Now you're saying fifteen? To no, 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 no. It's been, it's been fourteen down. years
0: since they raised it. Yeah. there were people who years. wanted to raise it to fifteen dollars an hour. 15,
1: 15 but then bucks. that and wasn't 11? gonna. Fl-
0: well, then no, the, yeah, it, wasn't it,
2: it wasn't gonna pass with being fifteen dollars. an hour. So now hour. someone said, "Well, well, well, let's
0: raise it to eleven dollars an hour." And it's, well, what
2: what you know, is it then? Ongoing. It's
0: like seven something, right? Is it seven
2: twenty five? Okay. I believe is yeah. what it currently sits at. Yeah. I, I did know. not know any of that. That's
0: you see, see how quickly I got over my skis there. That didn't take any time at all, did it? All right. So the uh, thing I tease that I want to discuss here, you and I have both been anyway. talking about. Hey, look out for the Blazers. They are coming. The Aaron Gordon trade. It fits. It works. Nuggets. 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 The the Denver Nuggets. So the the Lakers. You said be- blazers. Oh, I'm sorry. I got Jazz Blazers tomorrow night on my mind. Right. Right. Um, right, right. The Denver Nuggets trade for Aaron Gordon. Look yes. out, they're coming. Yes. We yes. have both said that. There's been some pushback on social media when we say it. Ah, oh, the Jazz are now in a place where they got their number, and, and they may well. We don't even know that they're going to play. We don't even know they're going to be on the same side of the bracket. It's all to be determined. But Kyle Goon, who used to work for the Trib, covered the Utes, covered the Jazz, I think I actually did preps here, and, but you know you he, he blew through town, got more responsibility. He's very good. Um, He's a total smartass and will light you up in a heartbeat because he's smart and he's quick and all that. He's hilarious to be around. And now he's covering the Lakers. Um, He's at the Orange County Register, right, working for your buddy? Yes. Right. Yes. And so he just put a tweet out this morning. I think it's spot on. You always think people are smart when they agree with you. It's just a default thing we do as humans. And he said, for the Lakers, Denver's the first round matchup to worry about. And he was spotlighting somebody else's tweet. I think he quote tweeted someone, you know, the, the, the Nuggets are like plus 66 in the 133 minutes when their best five-man lineup has been on the floor now when Gordon is there. Yes. You know, you, you put him out there with the starters and like he doesn't get doubled. They they're probably even slow to help to him because you just you don't want to rotate and leave Jokic. You don't want to rotate and leave Murray and give Gordon an easy pass back to those guys and they're gonna hit open shots. They're gonna crush yes. you. So he's really got a chance to shine. They had a weak link and a spot and he's filling it now, and they're climbing up the standings. And whether they're gonna end up, you know, in a 3-6 series or or 4-5 series remains to be seen, so we don't know what the matchups are going to be. But with the Lakers sliding, Kyle Goon is saying, look at this matchup, this would be tough, especially if these guys come back late and haven't had a lot of time together. You know, if you give them a playoff series in a couple weeks together, that could be just enough to make a difficult matchup a lot easier. Momentum matters, confidence matters, and when you're reintegrating guys, it can be a little bumpy sometimes. Now, maybe they'll get enough regular season games under the belt when they come back that that won't be an issue. But it's hard to know that right now. But Kyle Goon, if I'm the Lakers, this is the first-round opponent I want to avoid the most.
1: And the reason why he brings up the Lakers is because that is his assignment, so he's yeah. writing from the Laker perspective. Absolutely. Uh, but it, I think that can apply to every team. Now, he <laughs> he's from the Laker perspective because that's his job – But I I totally believe that what you just said and what he said. So I'm on board exactly with what he's saying because I thought that of all the trades, and there was a bunch of stuff that went down. I can't even remember all the trades. But that was the the one. I thought that that was the best as far as a team needing to fulfill a need. And they had a hole there because Paul Millsap, great player, lasted a long time, very successful career, but he's at the end. And they had a hole there and Gordon is not a great player individually, but he fills a piece. And if you have some top end talent like you have with Jokic and Murray as close, you need to just you don't necessarily need more top end talent if you can get it, obviously it'd be great. But what you need is to make sure you have a solid rotation and they had a hole there and he fills that hole, and so far I've just been watching box scores and seeing highlights. I don't know that I've seen them play a full game. I don't know they've been on the television where I don't have the NBA ticket or package or whatever, but I've been watching the box scores for sure, as I do every day, and he's been filling exactly what they needed, so I think they are going to be very dangerous in the postseason.
0: It's a four-man lineup that uh, Kyle Goon was quote-tweeting Dan Devine from The Ringer, who uh-huh. says that it's Jokic, Gordon, Porter, and Gordon, and those four are now plus 66 in 131 minutes together. And they're in, they're in Brooklyn Nets territory offensively. 133.5 points per 100 possessions. I mean, when those guys are out there together, they are just borderline unstoppable. You know, because everybody can do their job, and it's pick your poison time, and NBA guys hit shots, and basically you're you know, up the river without the paddle. Okay. I was going to say something else and I realized Yak would have to dump it there okay I'll come clean I needed to go with that cliche Yach I'll tell you in the break what I was going to say was, nope nope don't say that Scotty G will get all sorts of cranky time to pick another golfer who's qualifying who's ready Yak, tell the people who they're calling for it's going to be caller 12 at 855 zone Sung J M. Time for your U.N.A. Golf Masters Giveaway. Caller 12 now at 855-340-ZONE. You know how this works. You qualify with a player, and then if that player wins, you get the same brand of driver that player has in their bag. Call in now at 855-340-ZONE. 855-340-9663. All brought to you by U.N.A. Golf, serving Utah golfers since 1971. If you don't qualify now, more opportunities the rest of the day, right here on 97.5 at 1280 The Zone.
1: And it's all over. Almost here. Don't go nowhere. One of the many, 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 many things I love about PK is that he agrees with me that BYU should have never left the Mountain West Conference, especially for the basketball purpose. It was a huge mistake.
0: I don't know. If that's exactly your position, PK. Would you like to uh, recalibrate and redefine for people?
1: speaking generally or speaking basketball what are we talking well
0: about? that's the thing is that you just said your, your position i think your position is football absolutely needed independence and needed out from the mountain tv contract and that basketball absolutely paid a price for what football needed which isn't exactly what he just said but i think that is closer to what you have said uh, in various forms many time on the, many times on this show correct For people who wonder where P.K. stands, that's where he stands.
1: Now, that's different, though. If they went to the Mountain West now, I'd have to examine the situation, but I don't know that I would be completely entirely opposed to it by any stretch. And the same with the AAC. and I'd have to see what the circumstances were. But at the time, which was uh, in time for what, the 2011 season, uh, if if I remember correctly?
0: Yeah, I think you're
1: right. I, I, I think that... Yes, I supported it 100% at that time, but that's a decade ago, and any decision you made a decade ago is subject to review a decade later.
0: Exactly. Uh, Other stuff that we have talked about, we might have mentioned the Jazz and Suns tonight, you know, a time or two. College sure. Hoops is over, PK. A little youth spring football. We still have you, and we'll have Kyle him on tomorrow with his media availability. Uh, but we're into that point of the year where all eyes are focused on the Jazz. We're into the final third of the regular season here, and uh, sprinting to the finish line and all that stuff. Yes. Anything you want the people to know so that they are on the right page for tonight's game? I think for all the debate, this is clearly a big game. It is not do or die, it is not must win, but it is a big game.
1: Well, I think for the Jazz perspective, you need to be aware of the mindset of the other team because you have to match that energy. You want to be caught off guard. And this is a proud franchise with the Suns. I mean, they've done a lot of winning, not recently, but uh, they came in the league, what, in 68, 69, somewhere around there. And, you know, when I was growing up in there, they were a very good team and they it was a model franchise. They did things the right way. Much reminded me the jazz and the Suns reminded me a lot of the same just the same characteristics as far as when I lived there with a one big time team in the market and all that stuff. And this is a great. Opportunity for the Suns to establish themselves because I think we saw it with Dallas. You're playing the Jazz, they got the best record. The Jazz seemed like, and certainly the bench for Dallas, every time they made a three pointer, it seemed like they're hooting and hollering almost like it was a playoff game. And I think that's the respect that these teams have for the Jazz. So the Jazz need to make sure they're aware of all this stuff and match the energy because I think that, and then I, I think they've got like 5,000 folks in the arena uh whatever it's called there now in downtown Phoenix is down the street from the uh, Diamondbacks ballpark is it Talking and Stick so, Resort still is that what it is I, I, they've changed it maybe that's what it is now yeah and, but i'm not sure but anyway it's going to be a big game tom chambers is going to be there because he does uh he's like thorough – and uh, what he does, and you could, you, you'll be able to sense it. People will be around the uh, plaza because it's, it's good weather, a lot of places now this time of year, and so people are going to be excited. So it's important for the Jazz to match the energy of the Suns right off the bat and be aware of that. And speaking of Thurl, today Thurl Bailey is 60 years old. Happy birthday to Thurl Bailey on his 60th birthday.
0: Happy birthday, Big T. This is such a turnaround for Phoenix. You brought up that Booker's never won 35 games in the NBA. His first four years, their average record was 22 and 60. Mm. Last year was wow. the first time he won 25 games in a season. They went 34 and 39, and they needed 8 0 in the bubble to get to that. Yeah. So they were 26 and 39 when everything hit pause, and that was his best season ever. So now they're 35-14. and They're winning more than 70% of their games. In a full season, they would be on pace to finish in the high 50s. They probably wouldn't get to 60 wins, but they'd be in that 58 neighborhood. So this this is a really good basketball team. But I, I, I do think we undersell them here the way we feel the Jazz get undersold in 49 other states. And they may not have – they're depending so much on Chris Paul, it's hard to know how long their window is. It seems like not very long, but this is a big game for the Jazz. But Mitchell's coming off an 0 for 8 from 3. I'm expecting him to have a big game tonight. And when he has a big game and the Jazz are focused, if they're, if they're defending well and he has a big game, how often do they lose? Never. Yeah, I wouldn't go never, but very rarely.
1: <laughs> yeah, but that's my have to be over the top. Yes, and I like
0: it. Never. Never. <laughs> Hit some people with some passion on the way out the door, PK. I never do that. Uh, We did talk earlier about the Jets. And about Zach Wilson and Steve Young's comments, and the Jets GM had a media availability. Uh, Dick Harmon found it and retweeted it, and I just retweeted it too. So if you want to dive into that and hear what the Jets GM had to say, Steve Young is plugged into the Jets, and Steve Young thinks that Zach Wilson is going to the Jets and thinks Zach is a generational talent, which means the next question is, are the Jets going to put enough guys around him to win? So if you want to see that, it's on Twitter. Go to David DJ James or hit up Dick Harmon. And uh, Jets Video, I think, is the account that sent it out there. All right, that's going to do it for us. Hans and Scotty are up next. Give me one more never, PK. Always. Thank you, PK. DJ and PK, we'll see you tomorrow.